0: Welcome to Done With Debauchery, a sobriety and wellness podcast where you'll hear honest experiences about navigating life and relationships without alcohol, how to pursue your own personal wellness journey, and share intimate conversations with special guests. I'm your host, Keisha Scott. I'm excited. Me too. Hi guys, you are in for a special deluxe treat. It is I double trouble if you will. I know. There you go, Nadine Mulvina, and I'm also here with Keisha Scott. I'm from the Done with Debauchery podcast, and your podcast is at the Sober Butterfly Podcast. Um, no app, that's Instagram, but just you know, Be Sober Butterfly Podcast. And we are live from Toronto. Yes, yeah, so you came yesterday. You actually came all the way from New York to do this, which. It wasn't that far. It was like an hour. <laughs> hour flight. You crossed an international border. Like, that I is did. actually a big deal. So, thank you for coming. I appreciate it so much. And thank you for being such an amazing host. Aww. I feel like so at home here in Toronto. Good. Like, I do. So, last night, can I tell them what we did? 100%. Okay, so last night, Keisha and I planned our very first sober girl meetup, and it was amazing. The theme was all Keisha's idea, which I thought was so cute. <laughs> boo, like boo for Halloween, no booze. Yes, because no booze allowed, of yes. course. Yeah, we had so much fun. We rented the party room in my building, we had seven sober girls come over, everybody brought mocktails treats we had a charcuterie board Mm -hmm. nadine made us a murder mystery game so much fun i have a video of you when your character dies and you're like writhing (laughs) on the floor it's so good i was like fake foaming at the mouth and for both of us i think it was our first time actually having a sober girl get together it was nothing that i'd done before same So yeah i feel like it was such a success for our first time agreed and it will not be our last time like i think this was a really great way for us to just just to bond with other people Mm -hmm. who are sober because i feel like i'm connected to so many beautiful sober women online yeah but like it's hard to sometimes transition from online friend to your real life person friend. A hundred percent and that's what I felt yesterday and it almost like it didn't feel weird when everybody was coming because I was like oh that's that person that I've seen your posts for however long and there is a little bit of a connection already because you've bonded over something that is just like such a significant part of your life yeah. that I feel like the rest just like easily like falls into place. Absolutely. As soon as like you got there yesterday like we hugged right away I was like oh my god like we've been friends for 10 years is what it felt like. And then we had Sarah make us like. so. Sarah is, like, Canada's mixologist, sober mixologist. Yeah, she has a website, um, a newsletter, and an Instagram account called Some Good Clean Fun, and she does a lot of taste testing for different non-alcoholic drinks. She makes, like, all these unreal recipes. Yeah. Yeah, but she... What did we have yesterday? Death in the afternoon? Death in the afternoon. Okay, I'm going to inject, like, we have to show you what that looked like, because Keisha also picked up these, like, beautiful, sparkly, like... I don't know, sparkles? Yeah, they're <laughs> like edible sparkles. sparkles, like iridescent that you added to your cup and give yeah. it a little stir. And it, we just tried to make it like everything kind of spooky for Halloween. It was really <laughs> cute. So I would say big success. Yeah. A++ for our very first Sober Girl Meetup. 100%. I almost felt like I had like a hangover today because I was like buzzing so hard yesterday after everybody left. Yeah. I like couldn't like calm down and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up today, I was like, wow, like what a time, like. What a time. But like this sober hangover, because I have had a sober hangover, versus a real hangover night and day, right? A (laughs) hundred percent. It's like, I don't have the anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not hiding in my room ordering food. Yeah. But it was just like, the the, kind of like the tiredness, but it's like 100% worth it. And it just like totally proved like, we don't need alcohol to have fun. I had so much fun last night. And like, we have leftovers. So like today, Mm -hmm. throughout this episode, and we're cutting another one, you will see us sipping on an array of different... Um, alcohol-free options because Keisha really put me (laughs) on. Speaking of non-alcoholic bevies, some people in the recovery space feel like drinking non-alcoholic drinks yeah. is not like it doesn't make you not sober but it's not like a good thing to do or a good practice. There's a lot of controversy yeah. over like whether it's like acceptable or not if it's I guess like a gateway or like a slippery slope back to drinking alcohol. Yeah. Wait, we haven't even said what our episode topic. Is. So that's that's a great transition. We are talking today all about like you mentioned controversial taboo topics in sobriety. One size fits all approach to recovery in my opinion Mm -hmm. isn't the way to go but we'll get into all of that and then some in this week's episode of the sober butterfly podcast times done with debauchery stay tuned as we mentioned a little while ago non-alcoholic beverages so we're talking zero proof beer for example we're talking non-alcoholic Bevies, like what I'm drinking right now, I'm sipping on a peach goose, which is not like Grey Goose, like a (laughs) vodka Grey Goose. It is um, by a company called Partake Brewing. Honestly, like I said last night, Keisha, you put me onto so many different non-alcoholic bevies, you and Sarah, and I was just like, my head was spinning, but not from a drunk. Yes, (laughs) from a whole different world. So like that is actually something that is considered controversial. Many people feel as though non-alcoholic beverages can lead to a relapse yeah i still very much will drink non-alcoholic alcohol-free options yeah but like i think it's something to monitor right like I think yeah. that like it depends on when you are choosing for sure so if you're turning to alcohol non-alcoholic beverage because you're stressed like that may be something that yeah. you want to think about and so when you say you're drinking like non-alcoholic drinks is that just like sparkling water is like juice like kombucha because there is such a range like even from what, like I'm having a kombucha now you're having a non-alcoholic beer there's the alcoholized wines There's now non-alcoholic spirits as well. Mm -hmm. So there's just like such a broad range of things that people have to choose from. And I think that something also that is really controversial is like these are considered like non-alcoholic. Like this is a 0.0% beer. But there are some beers that are like 0.4% or 0.5% that do have that low alcohol content. Mm -hmm. And that is something that... I think a lot of people can like get their back up about and saying like that is a hundred percent a no because there is alcohol in it okay but, I mean, I feel like I'm going already on a tangent. No, but. That's, that's real. Because I've heard this thing about kombucha, right? Yeah. So, like, I was actually talking to someone who didn't know that there were small traces of... There mm-hmm. was small traces of alcohol in kombucha. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not enough to get you drunk. Exactly. And they were like, well, with my addict brain, that's how I described it. Like, with my addict brain, mm-hmm. my mind, like, I can go there. I can see myself yeah. then choosing to drink more kombucha to where I start to feel a buzz. And I'm like, well... Good but, luck with yeah, that. Yeah, but you won't ever. Yeah. And that's the thing, like your body, like if you have a healthy liver, like the way that it processes out alcohol, mm-hmm. you can't drink enough non-alcoholic beers or 0.4% beers to get a buzz because your body is just filtering it out at such a high rate. Like I think your bo- your liver can, fil- I mean, like, don't quote me, I'm not a doctor, but I can like, <laughs> I'm not a doctor guys. <laughs> they took my license. But I think it's, like, one ounce of alcohol an hour, your liver can filter. Okay. And, like, a traditional drink is 5%. So it to be, like, 0.4, by the time, like, you're actually able to consume that much liquid to, like, get you drunk, your body has already worked through that alcohol content. So that begs a question, playing devil's advocate, well, then what is the point? Why drink an alcohol-free free beer, for example, or something that has mm-hmm. only 0.05% yeah. alcohol? Like, why consume something like that yeah. if you're not feeling the effect? the effect beer like at least for most people like when they first taste alcohol aka ethanol it's pretty gross like if you think back to the first time you ever consumed it you're like ill and i think my first time ever consuming alcohol was like as a kid like eight or nine yeah what you're saying alcohol with your new york accent is it really yeah it's so so (laughs) cute how do you say it alcohol What did I say? Alcohol. Uh, Yeah. Oh my god. Ah, Alcohol. (laughs) Alcohol. (laughs) So the way, like, like um, the first time I ever consumed beer, I was on a train. It must have been eight or nine, and I was bugging them. Like we were, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a regular public train. It was like we were going across country. Yeah, a trip. Um, yeah, in England, and I begged, and they like let me have a sip, and I was just like, "This is the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth. Like, why do people, why do adults go crazy for this?" And so, like, the taste of alcohol, most people. upon upon their first impression, it's pretty gross. So is it that we've just like conditioned our brains into believing that this thing tastes good and therefore even as sober people, Mm. we still want it? And I I know that's really lofty, (laughs) like that's out there, but I'm like, why is it that I drink non-alcoholic versions of drinks then? And I think that there's like a few different reasons. Like there is that placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Like I know for me when I was first like cutting alcohol out of my life, There's like that ritual every evening at home when you would be cracking a bottle of wine and like it's not going to be delicious if I'm just pouring myself a glass of tap water like I needed something to substitute in that moment to be delicious to be like fun and Mm -hmm. like feel like I was like getting that same kind of like not that like hit or buzz from it but like Mm -hmm. that experience of having it yeah and then like a hundred percent like in the summer like going to the cottages with my friends like going to patios having the option to get like a mocktail in a fun glass or like a non-alcoholic beer and like like a regular like heineken like 0.0 nobody would ever know that that's not an alcoholic drink so if you're not ready to tell people you're not drinking it's easy to blend in if that's like what you're wanting to do But I do think it's, like, also, like, that placebo effect. Like, if you are maybe, I don't know if it's, like, the difference between a psychological or a physical addiction, Mm -hmm. but if you are just, like, craving that beer taste and you just need to, like, cleanse your palate, like, a non-alcoholic option, like, could be what gets you through that day. That's true. That is true. I never thought about the placebo effect. Yeah. I think just to touch on maybe naysayers or those who are strongly Mm -hmm. opposed drinking non-alcoholic beverages as a substitute for like a sparkling water or just something that's carbonated that may give you that feeling versus or satiates that palate Mm -hmm. that you may have I've heard many people before talk about how like for example you go to a social event where you are a sober person other people are drinking so there's alcohol present and accidentally consuming alcohol at that party yeah. and then sort of spiraling because your drink blends in like on the table with everyone yeah, exactly mm-hmm. so like I had not that exact thing happened to me but like in spring I went to Rio I went to Brazil and it was carnival so I was in a large social outing we were at a restaurant yeah. and everyone ordered What is it called again you have to pronounce it for me caprinha Our- I don't know why I can't <laughs> say that caprinha you guys I was in Brazil and I still <laughs> know the drink the national drink the caprinha right and so everyone ordered caprinha And so i said to the waitress on the side low like in a low tone i was just yeah i'll take that but like no alcohol i thought she understood and she bought me back an alcoholic Mm. version so i took a sip and it's like an awkward situation where like i didn't tell the people i I was with i was sober so i just kind of like took a sip, and then immediately tasted the Because you knew right away as soon as you tasted it. That has such a distinct flavor, too. It's like really like overpowering. So I'm just like, this is not not alcoholic. So instead of making a big fuss, I just took a napkin nearby and spit it out because I was like, I don't want to swallow this. Yeah. That was the first time, I guess, I could see why people may choose to just completely sever ties with anything that reminds them. Um, of alcohol looks like alcohol because yeah. that could be really confusing for people. And then if you have a sip, it's almost like okay, sip turns into yeah. Maybe more. I'll just swallow yeah. this one. And, and then, then like yeah. I already have a drink, like why not forget? Uh, you know, yeah, let's keep going. Keep I totally going. get that perspective as well, and I feel like that's like a whole other point is like the fear of being in social settings mm-hmm. and yeah, not having control over like what drink you're being handed. You don't know what's in it at least if it's something like in a beer bottle, you can see the label that it's like non-alcoholic, yeah. but like, yeah, I, under, I totally get that fear too. And like, I find myself double checking at restaurants, like when, if they just put it down and say like Caesar, Yeah. And like, okay, but is it a non-alcoholic <laughs> yeah. Caesar? Yeah. Or is it just, is it your version? Like with alcoholic, like I need to know. I went for dinner and the server was like, kind of like hush hush about it. And he mm-hmm. like gave my drink down and didn't specify that it was non-alcoholic, So I clarified and he's like, sorry, I didn't know if you wanted anyone to know. Okay. And I was like, that is really sweet and like really thoughtful. Cause like, who knows? Like people also could be pregnant and like not announcing it yet. I thought it was sweet. But then I was also like, I'm not ashamed of it. Like you can tell even the next table if you want. Yeah. Tell everyone. Let's take a PSA. Exactly. Exactly. I think also like, as I said, like people that may have had like a physical addiction, like that taste can be like a lot more like triggering, like for a non-alcoholic beer or something like that. But I find even now, like, wine used to be, like, my drink. I would love to drink, like, a bottle or two of wine a night, and now i'll have like a non-alcoholic wine and i'll have like a glass or two and like my last bottle i had to throw out because it was sitting in my fridge for so long which like would never happen with an alcoholic <laughs> wine never so i guess it's all blasphemy no exactly <laughs> i was like who is she <laughs> for so... self-restraint so... so it depends how yeah. you're using it like yeah. if you're like chugging the bottle of non-alcoholic wine trying to get a buzz yeah. then like okay maybe we need to reevaluate yeah. what's happening behind the scenes Yeah, I actually did a poll on my Instagram as well yeah to see um, just out of my followers who actually drinks non-alcoholic cocktails wines or beers Mm -hmm. and 83% of the people said that they did they do drink them okay 17% said they sometimes do okay actually 0% at the time that I checked this said no okay so everybody like has them at like a little bit yeah at least and so that is though the sample size you're looking at a sober community people who are plugged in and well exactly in the sober lingo. yeah exactly yeah. so it's my done with debauchery instagram account most of the people following me are either sober or sober curious yeah and i did look at who responded and it was mostly like women in our age demographic we're back <laughs> We're back our battery died but we're back we're back and better than ever um Um, yeah so just what i was saying was the sample size i looked at the people who had voted on it and it was mostly women in our age range um sort of like late 20s to early 40s Um, there were a few men that had said yes they do drink them as well but like mostly my followers are are females so yeah i love that yeah okay guys so there you have it we are in favor we highly support. <laughs> Yay. And also, your decisions are not set in stone, like mm. regarding the non alcoholic drinks. Regarding drinking, it is. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, coming back. No. But yeah, so like, let's say like today you don't feel comfortable, but down the road you do want to try it. Like, there is no harm, I think, in like experimenting as long as it's something within your comfort level. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing is permanent. Like, you can always, you can always change your mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So our second controversial topic in sobriety is Cali Sober. So speaking of changing your mind throughout sobriety, trying different things that may or may not work for you, I know that you do not identify with Cali Sober. Anymore. Anymore. You used yeah. to, and I currently do. So- Cali sober is yeah. Let me break it down. So Cali sober, you have to be from California. No, I'm joking. You do <laughs> not have to be from California. You have to basically quit alcohol. You've sworn it off, but you're changing your state of consciousness. So you may smoke marijuana or like take edibles or like do LSD, which is also acid. I just learned, <laughs> and then you could also like maybe experiment with like DMT mushrooms. Yeah, things that are really like expanding your mind. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's like the extent of what I know it as. And then we'll talk a little bit more about like my experience being Cali mm-hmm. sober but I used it sort of like as a transition from like going from doing everything yeah. to like okay let me be healthier and like just smoke weed from time to time so yeah i can talk more about that later but like where does yeah. the term come from yeah so the term california sober Cali sober is from a she's an ex-raver and writer named michelle luke she actually moved to california and was going through this transition where she was cutting alcohol out of her life mm. and she was cutting out all other drugs so like we're talking like hard drugs okay but she was keeping in marijuana and psychedelics So she was like, I don't know if she was smoking weed, but like she was like having like weed as part of it. Um, doing things like mushrooms, DMT, anything that really like expands your mind. Okay. And then now it's been coined California sober because California was one of the only states at the time that had marijuana legalized. That's why she moved there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Michelle, come on so you can confirm or completely Michelle, dismiss that. <laughs> if you're listening, hello. We would love to have you on the podcast. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> um Michelle. But yeah, so that's really like something that I hear come up a lot mm-hmm. as a controversial topic or a taboo topic in Suburban because some people are like you would consider them a teetotaler like they do not do anything mm. like some of people who are sober won't even like take an aspirin yeah <laughs> like they're just like absolutely not if sobriety was a spectrum I don't know where I would fall I just know that I don't drink and I don't consume things that change my state of consciousness yeah at first i was like i'm gonna be a teetotaler i'm not gonna do anything but i was quitting so many things at once like from dr- drinking was the main i would say drug because drinking is alcohol in my opinion is a drug yeah i um, probably one of the worst but it was like the common denominator that led me to other substances. So like my inhibitions would be lowered and now I'm ready to like have a good time. Like you offer me something, I'm going to say yes, nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10. So I I was was like, yeah. So like it wasn't just the alcohol I was quitting. It was, it was like other drugs too. So my body, I felt like was like, Extremely vulnerable and then for me routine was so critical in the early stages like having a set routine Mm -hmm. To maintain my sobriety, but when you throw travel in the mix. Yeah, it disrupts that so like just to sum up Basically, I'm in Morocco and it wasn't even offered to me. I went looking I like asked my tour guide I was just like listen marijuana like I need something and he was like hashish. I was like, okay What is that? I'll try it. So I did smoke hashish is it legal there? Like, was it, like, a bar, like, in a big, like, hookah? No, no, that's that's different. I think that's shisha. That's different. And She's that's just, just like, flavored tobacco. That's just flavored tobacco. Okay, got it, got it. But this was, like, it was not legal because it was, like, a whole ordeal. Like, this poor <laughs> man. Like, but he had to go into, like, the dead of the night in the desert oh, to go, no. like, get this for me. And I was just, like thanks <laughs> great um so he came back with it and i smoked it and it was it reminded me of like just getting high and mm. then i smuggled it back with me to spain because then i went to spain next because that's what <laughs> I, I, was I do what I to yeah i definitely smuggled it across the borders um across the oh my border God, and, then a crime. and then i kept smoking yes and then in spain spain marijuana is legal so i went oh. to barcelona and they had different weed clubs like different like okay, marijuana yeah cl- so i actually and this is where i was like i need to draw the line Because when I went to Spain, every single day, Barcelona, so this is at the tail end of my trip. So I've been traveling for like almost like six weeks at that point. I was tired. I was ready to go home. And I spent the majority of my time in Barcelona high as a kite. Like Mm. I was in these like dark, they were cute like little little clubs, but like picture like fluorescent lights like it being in the dark and, and it's like 2 p.m. yeah like, so it's like i wasn't exploring i was just getting high yeah, all day you weren't seeing any of the actual city you were just yeah it I was a, i was a me- i'm a card carrier for one of the clubs there like i paid a membership and everything i was there for like 10 days like why do i have a membership a card carrier, a card carrier oh somewhere God. in my in my archives i can oh find God. that card so anyway i was spending all the money and time getting high and then i was like are you really sober if all you're living to do right now is wake up and get high. So before I left Spain, I was like, "Okay, you're not bringing any of the stuff back with you. You're not smuggling drugs back." No, because I didn't think we was legal in New York at this point yet. Oh. So this is summer 2021. So I'm like, "Okay, you're gonna finish all your drugs." So I did that, and like, I actually almost missed my flight because I was so high. Coming, yeah. So it's like I felt like addiction replacement, right? Like yeah. the pendulum switched from like yeah. me being obsessed. But with in such alcohol. a short amount of time, I know. Like. <laughs> So, my question is, I guess, were you smoking weed before your trip, or did it just ramp up when you got on your trip? So, I was sober for like two, three weeks before my trip, Mm. didn't have anything, completely severed ties with everything, and then- for the majority of my trip. So I went to London, I went to Portugal. I went to a vineyard in Portugal, didn't have felt no temptation, like drink water, ate grapes, had fun. Yes, I literally ate grapes. Like they prepared a little spread for me with grapes, water and crackers. And I was like, yes, this is $50, 50 euros worth. (laughs) yeah because there was no discount for sober people yeah right anyway so then i went to morocco and that's when i was starting to feel it like i needed something Something. to like take the edge off i'm air quoting take the edge off and so i went looking for drugs and then barcelona legal yeah came back to new york like started working in person again and was like girl you can't like so when i came back to new york i severed ties with marijuana So I am Cali sober Mm -hmm. currently right now and have been for the last eight months, which is the same amount of time that I've been sober from alcohol. But I just feel like my relationship with weed is so different. So here in Canada, it is legal where I live. Like you could buy it at the dispensary, like just walk it off the street. But like, I'm not like craving to like smoke a joint. I never smoke. I only do edibles or like a THC drink. Okay. Okay. And like my tolerance is so low. And as soon as I go over that, like it's anxiety, it's panic, okay. like it's not a good time. So when I first cut out alcohol, I felt the same. I needed something to like, kind of like, quote unquote, take that edge off mm-hmm. and like escape from like the reality of like the day that I was having. So I would want to unwind at the end of the day with like a can or an edible and just kind of be like teleported to like a different dimension for a period of time. Take me away. Yeah. Yeah but it would be like okay like maybe i was doing it in the beginning it was a couple times a week then it trickled down to like maybe once a week and now i'm at about once a month or maybe once oh, every wow. 3 weeks yeah. that i'm doing it and i'm never doing it alone i'm only doing it like with someone else usually mm-hmm. we're at my place ordering food okay. like and it's like it's like a little experience okay so i think that my relationship with it is very different but if i was getting to the point where like i was coming home and being like i need that now Yes. that's where i'd have to like pump the brakes and that's what i was doing yeah. So it sounds like you have a healthy relationship it's something though that i think people should consistently check in with to evaluate if the relationship is changing and morphing into something exactly else yeah i agree 100 percent, and i feel like i i go back and forth like i'm so far on like okay i think it's fine it's working for me i'm actually decreasing my usage with it so it is fine but then I'm still thinking, okay, it is still, like, a substance, even though it is a plant. Like, it's still, like, considered a drug. So, like, let's say I was doing, like, I'm only doing heroin once a month. Like <laughs> That's such a great way to say it's it. So, it's so, it's just, I, I'm conflicted in that as well, thinking about it from that perspective. Or yeah. some, one of my friends was like, yeah, I'm only doing crack, like, every other Friday. No big deal. You go, girl. That's what I mean. But I think that, like, in the grand scheme of things I was using it as a form of harm reduction when I was Mm. cutting alcohol out of my life Mm -hmm. and so like harm reduction is essentially like reducing the harm in the substances you're using if you are like let's say physically addicted to different types of drugs if you go into a treatment center they do substitute that with I can't remember the name of the drugs, but it's still another like narcotic to wean you off, but it's just what it's going to be less harmful. I did an episode, I think it's episode 103 or 104 of the Sober Butterfly podcast on harm reduction. Mm-hmm. So quick plug for that. But also um, the doctor that I interviewed that was talking about harm reduction really wanted to distinguish that like harm reduction is not abstinence. So, and the thing about yeah. harm reduction is like you personalize what your what your goal is. So like, for example, if you really do want to reduce your risk of, yeah. overdosing and you choose to like still partake it's like doing so in a healthy way so i i can totally understand that approach as well yeah so on here i have um it seeks to reduce the health and social harm associated with addiction and substance use without necessarily requiring people who use substances from abstaining or stopping yeah i'm so sorry i don't know where i got that from to credit the source i think it was maybe like Healthline. okay and a lot of people on here, like, they didn't use the, the verbiage, like, harm reduction, but I think that's what they re- were describing. When I say on here, I'm looking at my phone. Yeah, I was like, where? <laughs> <laughs> on here. <laughs> um, so yesterday, I did poll some followers, and they asked them how they felt about Sober Cali, what it meant to them, and it was just an open forum so people could fill that mm-hmm. in for themselves. And a lot of people were saying things like, I hate the phrase Kali Sober but in moderation and as long as it doesn't become a habit um, was what Alejandra on the move responded by saying there was one woman in particular who detested like she was like I hate the term Cali sober because I use it me- like for medical purposes so that was what she said oh, okay for like, her- so like chronic pain or anxiety exactly and so I I was like you know what like Let's be inclusive. I was like, I will mention that on the podcast because I think Cali Sober gives off this air of fluff and like no offense to anyone, Cali Sober, but like yeah. it does give this idea of like, oh, airy, breezy, light. Yeah. But like some people are yeah, really using marijuana for medical purposes. So that's, I'm assuming why she doesn't like the term. Yeah. And I guess it's like the question of like they're sober and using it for medical purposes. Yes. I don't think that they would. Yeah. I wouldn't consider that to be Cali Sober. Yeah. I think it's like a, a conscious decision to be using it as, as a substance. Like I'm using it for a good time. Yeah. Um, Other people were just saying other things, like better than not sober at all. But for me, it's still using a substance to be altered. This person was making the distinction between the cravings is not the substance, but the state of mind. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting as well. Um, Out of the people that I pulled on my page, um, just some quick stats for us. I think the majority of people were, I think um, he's just pulling that up for us, 62% are just plain old sober, um, 21% identified as being Cali-sober, and then 18% I had to fill this in. I was like, depends on the day. Uh <laughs> so your Callie's over confirming Sober. cuz like yeah basically so we should add 21% and 18% together which would give us a grand total of 39% 39, per- 39. Look at that mental math fuck there you go. just like adding carry the one okay if it depends on the day then you are engaging yeah. in yeah marijuana definitely <laughs> right? definitely so. very interesting i'm curious though for you keisha marijuana it's not something that you're using or edibles specifically you're not using it as a coping mechanism mm. right yeah so would you be interested or are you open to the full scope of the definition so it's not just marijuana but it's other psychedelics like lsd for example or like ayahuasca is like something Really hot mushrooms are making a full comeback. Yeah. Like, so I'm wondering um, are you limiting yourself to just edibles or are you open to the realm of possibilities with other mind altering substances? That's a really good question. If you, like, if you called me tomorrow and said, do you want to do some mushrooms, I would say no. (laughs) Okay. But I don't know if, like, down the road, maybe if it was the right setting, if it was a micro dose versus, like, we're taking enough to actually hallucinate. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not interested in, like, hallucinating. That freaks me out. Mm -hmm. I have done both mushrooms and LSD, like, in my high school years and hallucinated and it was freaky. Not freaky enough to stop me from doing it a second time. Mm -hmm. But... So I've already experienced that, so I don't know that I would be really interested in it. Um, A few years ago, I was at a cottage in the summer, and we did actually um, microdose LSD. Oh, okay. And it was a lot of fun, but I was also drinking and partying at the time. So yeah. I was in a completely different like mindset and looking back at it now, like some of the things that we did, like tubing and like jet skiing, like we're not safe <laughs> uh, <laughs> at Don't all. Don't recommend. Yeah. I'm not recommending it yeah. um, at all. So yeah, if it was tomorrow and I was somewhere and somebody was offering it, I think I would say no. Okay. But the ayahuasca is something that has piqued my interest for a really long time. Same. Um, And I think that that also comes on like a spiritual level, like as you go through sobriety, you get more in touch with like who you are, you're like learning new hobbies, like what brings you joy, and it brings you so much clarity, I think, and that's something that like ayahuasca is just like known to do, and it's supposed to be really good for addiction as well. I know a girl who actually like did a ayahuasca and like she got a message during her ceremony that alcohol was no longer serving her and she hasn't drank since. And it's been like, I think eight months for her or something. So with that being said, because the ayahuasca piece is interesting to me. It's something that like I constantly go back and forth with because I think that what you're referring to is like healing aspects, right? Like nobody is doing ayahuasca to get high. Like casually, just like, yeah, like there's a whole like... I don't know if shaman's the correct term. It is, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Some people are like... I like don't say shaman anymore. I oh, don't really? know. Like a spiritual guide. There, okay. It's a whole ceremony so for people who are unfamiliar girl like yeah, it's all the buzzwords <laughs> are changing but there is a whole ceremony like they, mm-hmm. you can't do ayahuasca by yourself. I'm sure you could but like why would you want to? It's almost like you would yeah, have to need, find a toad to- from the jungle. Like Yeah like, you need to or, be like in a safe space. It's a guided experience. Yes. Yeah. yes and it's not a pleasant experience. So most drugs I did in the past and alcohol were like used for recreational purposes not for like healing purposes so it's something that i'm constantly like i love once again circling back to what you said earlier just like flowing and like your ideas can shift and they can change Mm -hmm. and i also love that you mentioned that it can help with sobriety i know someone who as well went for that purpose and has also yeah, it's completely stopped smoking and drinking, um, smoking tobacco and drinking altogether yeah. from that one experience. Why do I feel like Chelsea Handler like also did something like that? She definitely did. She had a special on Netflix a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. And went and like, she documented the whole thing. I forgot where they went, somewhere in South America she mm-hmm. threw up, like we got to see yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, that's like part of it, you purge. I'm a little afraid of like losing my mind and not coming back and from it. being in the forest. I'm not so afraid of that part. But losing, <laughs> like, your, mind, losing your mind in oh, the, the forest? forest? Yeah, that like, part. Like, we're not talking, yeah, like, the Canadian yeah. Rocky Mountains. Like, <laughs> like, there's, like, fucking anacondas out there. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, So that's that. Like, I think Callie Sober is, like just something that you have to monitor like at least for me Mm -hmm. i monitored and i failed (laughs) to use responsibly (laughs) just like with drinking and any other substance in my life i have failed the test miserably so i just choose to not do it yeah and stay tuned for my cali sober journey right now it's working i find that over time i'm using it less and less and maybe it'll be zero coming up Hi. Hello, we're back. (laughs) We took a brief intermission here. We did. But we're back. We've also refreshed our drinks. This is the non-alcoholic Smoky Bay Chardonnay. So it's an Australian Chardonnay. Obviously, 0.0% alcohol. We were drinking this last night uh, at Booze No Booze, and it was a pretty big hit. I loved it. Yeah. This is like maybe my favorite non-alcoholic wine I've ever had yeah it's so hard to find a good one like they're all like so kind of like juicy and fruity or sour oh, an aftertaste yeah aftertaste is big for me like this yeah. doesn't have an aftertaste it's crisp it's refreshing mm-hmm. and i don't get hungover. or you know when you drink yeah. so much wine you get like the particle build up in your mouth and you have that residue that, that taste that taste yeah, yeah and it's like sticky it's like not a good feeling dry mouth too yeah the dry mouth and there's also something that is about like using a cute glass that just like elevates the entire experience here we are. We're still fancy. You couldn't look at us and not think that. I mean, you. Uh, never mind. You should look at us and think we don't drink, but like. We're glowing. We're glowing, yes. We have that sober girl glow. Everything that I thought alcohol was going mm-hmm. to be for me, this idea of sophistication and womanhood, yeah. like, I can still embody that without yeah. being shit faced, excuse my language, or being drunk, because like that was like, the aesthetic I was going for, but not the reality of what how I looked. Yeah. I looked hot mess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The makeup and the lipstick is getting yeah. a little smudged to the side. Yeah, so here we are actually embodying the version of self that we wish to, yes. we used to wish to be. And we're going to go to our third and final controversial topic in sobriety, which is... We are looking at the difference between being a dry drunk versus being, like, emotionally spiritually sober okay so there's a difference and i'm gonna break down what that difference is for y'all in case you've never heard of a dry drunk so i and i had never heard that term before until you said it to me yeah maybe because i'm not as experienced like in aa i have been to about four meetings all online but i've never heard that before being a dry drunk is someone who abstains from drinking so you're not consuming alcohol however you are not working on your personal development or Mm -hmm. like growing, like I'm going to quote this, growing amongst spiritual lines is a phrase that I often hear in AA. So basically you're abstaining from alcohol, kudos to you, but you're not growing amongst spiritual You're lines. still doing all your old behaviors that you did when you were drinking. Thank you. Exactly. So the only thing that's changed is that you've removed the substance. It's a lot, first of all. So when you remove alcohol, especially if a big part of alcohol was your like emotional support, your actual identity, because I think a lot of people warp drinking into like their self-worth and identity yeah it it becomes your personality like Mm -hmm. what do you do for fun i drink i'm a fun party girl right that was me like through and through same so when you remove that i think it's a lot to like you know rediscover about yourself your values your wants your needs your desires all that so they say that like it's really easy to get trapped you're still doing the same things you're still not dealing with like maybe some core issues that you have yeah um that you're simply not drinking i guess my question is like what would like those behaviors be like like fighting with the people you care about, like stealing, lying, lying. Okay, yes. like hiding, things hiding, like that. Okay, exactly. got it, got it. The main thing is like helping other sober people. So like, or people being get sober, service. being of service, exactly. So like, if you are just like thriving as a sober person and you're not helping other people, then you're a dry drunk, sorry. Like that's what how the they would define it because it's someone who hmm. is, not working the steps so like in aa there there were 12 steps that they swear by you don't have a sponsor you're not doing outreach community outreach to help other people you're just basically looking out for numero uno which I think it's no, culture no. <laughs> number one, okay, which is true. you. Also available in Spanish, if you're wondering. <laughs> yes, you guys download the episode. Um, ¿Qué habla de See, But like, it's really interesting because I think though, the reason why I do think it's taboo is because in the beginning, I think you have to prioritize you and your Yeah, sobriety. You can only like at that point, take care of yourself. And if you can barely yeah if you can't take care of you then you certainly can't help anyone else but like people feel really strongly that like after so long and maybe that timeline looks different for different people and like in your personal recovery like it may be a year it could be two months whatever it could be but like if you're no longer growing if you're no longer like in search of how to be a better person i suppose and you're doing the same things as mentioned then you are a dry drunk I, yeah. I feel like there's like gotta be a spectrum. Like, like you said, like at the beginning, you're not able to probably show up for other people because you're barely hanging on you, yeah, to yourself. Yeah. And then, yeah. What is like that timeline? But I do understand like the need to like give back and like help people that are going through some of the like similar things that you went through. But that could also just be like a personality thing. Like what if you're an, a naturally shy person and like you're not comfortable doing that you don't have to be outgoing you don't have to be extroverted you can do it in other ways quietly quietly that could look like instead of like donating like old clothes for example to like in the u.s we go to like salvation army Mm -hmm. or goodwill Mm -hmm. instead of doing that like look up a woman's shelter for example or like for people in recovery or sober houses yeah Yeah. like things like that like just always thinking about like someone who may need it who may be suffering from like addiction and things like that and so what exactly is emotional sobriety that's the old age question that many people (laughs) even in in meetings like i'll ask people because i i hear and people share so like if you've never been to an aa meeting and they they look different but a lot of them encompass like step work and then like personal share so people will share like what led them to sobriety what life was like before sobriety and then i keep hearing the buzz term emotional sobriety come mm-hmm. up which is like being I think it is a total buzzword when i hear emotional sobriety i think of just being in touch with like your emotions and not feeling the need to numb because i think we talked a little bit about addiction replacement or at least use that phrase at one point or another is being cali sober and using that as a replacement so i think if you're emotionally eating for example like that is not being emotionally sober because you've just transferred Mm. your addiction from one thing which was drinking or drugs to another thing so like you're not processing you're not regulating you're sort of just still looking to numb or replace yeah so that's how i would see emotional sobriety i don't know if that's official. yeah and i think that that makes total sense and like even talking about like the ayahuasca and, like, the the opening your mind, like, a natural part, I think, of getting sober is, like, getting more in touch with who you are as yeah. a person, your values, like, what brings you joy, and, and also and, like, like, letting go of that ego. Letting go of that ego, and I think the biggest thing for me was, like, feeling uncomfortable. Oh, my God. I did not want to feel discomfort in any yeah. form, and so I was using alcohol to numb, just connecting to my emotions, yeah. right? Like, I don't want to feel... Any sense of like, yeah, discomfort, yeah. like whether it be uncomfortable. yes, yes, even if it's a big emotion, like I'm really sad, I'm really yeah. upset, or the most trivial thing, like oh my god, like I, I was late to work today, but it just like completely spiraled and like led me into like yeah. a compounding bad day, like. I can't wait to get my wine get home to my wine because mm. like i don't want to feel ticked off or annoyed. and i very much like when something like that happens like i need to suffer in silence mm. like crying in public is a mm. non-negotiable for me Understood. like understand like my tear ducts will burst before a tear comes out like so that's like kind of like i guess you can connect that to ego a little bit like where mm-hmm. does that stem from like why are you uncomfortable with expression. Showing emotion. Yeah, showing. I don't know what it is, like, and it's so interesting because there are parts of my life and, like, parts of me that I like to keep so private and kind of, like, on lock, but then here I am on a podcast, like, bearing parts of my soul for, like, anyone with an internet connection to, to read or listen to, but... Yeah, I don't know. There's like, I think it's like comes from like that vulnerability. Like I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be perceived as like weak. And and that's something that I've been like working through in therapy as well. Um, And through sobriety and just like, it's okay to like have those big emotions. And like, if you do hold in things like that, like it only hurts you. Right. But now that you understand a little bit more about like being a dry drunk, for example, versus emotionally sober or spiritually sober, Mm Do you identify more with one, and if so, why? I would say definitely emotionally sober. I think that maybe at the beginning, it would have been like, I could have been like the dry drunk where like my main goal was just like to not drink alcohol that day. Mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't really able to show up in other areas of like self care. Not that I was like lying and stealing and Mm -hmm. thieving and like Mm -hmm. doing B&E's like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, yeah, like that level of like self care and Mm -hmm. actually saying like, okay, like what do I need to work on? What can I work through? Like, where is this all coming from? It was more like i just need to not drink yeah and then i'll get to it like but i have to be sober in order to get to that yeah absolutely what about you it's funny like i want to say i'm emotionally sober but i think it depends on the day if i'm being honest like Like, yeah it's a it's like truly a journey it's a daily assessment constantly inspired which is why i keep going back to meetings like i haven't done any step work I'm a terrible AA like non-member. I don't think they have membership like that. You're not a card carrier. I'm not a card carrier. I have my Barcelona Weed yeah. membership card that I no longer use but have, but I don't have an Like I have a coin. Do I, do? I do. They gave me one for my one year. Cute. It's, I love the aspect of community in AA. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword because one half of me is like, I'm super inspired after I leave meetings. Like, oh my God, I want to be of service to other people. And if I'm not mm-hmm. uncomfortable, then I'm not and like blah 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 but on the other end is like i feel like i'm not good enough like i walk away sometimes like i'm never doing enough oh i'm always gonna have to like like deal with this thing which it's it's mine and carry like i own it like i know that like i can never drink but yeah it feels like i'm there's never enough like i can never do enough there's no like final destination like that's the thing about sobriety or recovery or any life really there's not like a finite you are recovered. You've done the work. Yeah, like, no more that for you. self-actualization. Exactly. It doesn't exist. So, Maslow, why did you even, like, put that on the pyramid? Like, it shouldn't be yeah, there. Like, yeah, Maslow, if you're listening. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you need to revamp that. Like, come back to life so you can, like, yeah. completely change that. But, like, even monks, like, will pray and, like, meditate and, like, no one except for, like, one has been able yeah. to do it. So, it's, like, very godlike. I just strive to be, like... The best version of self and in the process if i can help other people along the way great but it's i'm not i'd be lying i'd be lying to you i'd be lying to listeners like i don't wake up every day and say to myself how can i be of service to other people is that wrong i don't know but i think if i don't take care of me i can't take care of anyone else i definitely agree and like yeah it is a process like as you get further into your sobriety and even like your podcast and your platform like i think that this is also like a way of being of service That's like true. you are like spending time creating this content with like we're not making money off of this we're doing it not yet yeah not yet <laughs> but we're doing it because yeah. we want to and because it's meaningful yeah absolutely. And, Like, i do get messages on instagram from like women being like your podcast did really help me and like yeah i have like not even 50 episodes like for and like for that it's like that means a lot and like yeah i know how it felt when i was trying to get sober like finding content that i like really like resonated with mm-hmm. like it makes all the difference and it makes you not feel alone So I think you're not giving yourself enough credit that you actually really are showing up in a big way. (laughs) I think I really appreciate that. I love doing this so much. It feels like, it doesn't feel altruistic. It feels very like self-serving in some capacities, but I know for a fact in listening to other people's feedback and like Mm -hmm. people that do outreach, like that means the world to me because I I do want to help other people. I do want to like encourage people and show them there is something here that's good for everyone. Like just come. I know. It's like once you see the light (laughs) (laughs) and like get them to stay. But yeah. So what's our recap? The number one controversial topic was non-alcoholic drinks. We are in favor. We are a yay. Clearly. Clink, clink. (laughs) Number two was Cali Sober. Currently, you're a nay, but open to it for someone else if it feels like the right experience at the time checks and balances just always like be honest to yourself and true to yourself and like if it becomes problematic stop yeah and i feel the same way even about my own experience so Mm -hmm. it's a yay for now we'll see tomorrow we'll see in a month Mm -hmm. and then yeah we both i guess agree that like emotional sobriety at least should be part of the goal it should be part of everyone's goal, whether you drink or not. Taboo topics are always fun because it gets people talking. Mm-hmm. So we want to hear from you, though. What are your thoughts about the three controversial topics that like Keisha just recapped? Please write in. You can follow both of us on Instagram. My Instagram is at done with donewithdebauchery. And my Instagram is at the period Soba Butterfly. We see all of your messages. So please continue to like, let us know what content that resonates well with you. Mm-hmm. What you want to hear more of. If there's anything, you know, that you are against or in favor of, tell us. We want to do a part two. Yeah. If there's any controversial topics you want us to talk about, send it in. We'd Love to hear from you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. This is Keisha signing off on another episode of Done With Debauchery. If you liked what you heard, please share and subscribe. You can also find me at donewithdebauchery.com or follow along on Instagram at donewithdebauchery. Thanks for listening.